Bibles, I want you to turn to Lamentations. I think it's interesting to think about what's going on in our world. I don't think we have to put our heads in the sand. We see what is happening, and it's hard to see it. It's hard to watch it, to be honest with you. Um, I think really when it came to picking and choosing perhaps the amount of uh, time that I spend in one message or two messages or whatever for the Sundays, I, I, I don't take it lightly. I believe that this message is for you. I believe that God gave it to me for you. I think it's important for us to know that during difficult times, we can turn to the Scriptures. And the Scriptures will give us um, comfort. Um, it'll help us during times of struggle. Um, it is what will uplift us and give us the strength. And uh, boy, do we need that today. I talk to people and everybody's having a tough time. Uh, you know, I thought it occurred to me the other day that why not do a daily radio broadcast? They used to do them. Pastors used to have a daily broadcast. Well, now with technology, we can do a daily video broadcast. And so uh, I think I'm going to change my Bible boost to every single day um, during the week, except for Mondays. At 11 o'clock, and who knows where I'll be on a Monday, maybe I'll do one then too. But to have a Bible boost at 11 o'clock, every day, five minutes, I say that, sometimes it goes ten. But it's just brief to be able to give you a little bit of an understanding. Many of you watch the President's briefing, watch Pastor's briefing. Um, I'll help you and encourage you during the week to be able to chew on the Word of God so it'll give you the strength you need. If you're not used to opening your Bible, I think it's time to do that now. I think it's that day and age where we need to turn back to the Scriptures. When we're looking at Lamentations, there is a lot to say here concerning it. I think that in order to be able to put certain portions of Scripture in the Bible to make up what we call the canon of the Scriptures, when they come across Scripture that has internal evidence, it was approved, When it had external evidence, it was approved. When New Testament uses the Old Testament or uh, the prophecies line up in the Old Testament with the New Testament, then it was used. And so they came up with 66 books and uh, brilliantly um, put it together, I really believe, by the hand of God that he has given us and preserved his word so that we can open it up today and look at it. And uh, I take it literally... Um, in, in my classes recently, they're talking about the, the literal interpretation. Um, yes, I take that. But I'm going a step further. I believe not only it is literal in its context, it is literal in its, in its, in its verses, yes. in the text. Yes. The, the verse says what it says. Yes. But I take it further than that. I take every single word of, of my Bible and I read it, and I chew on it, and I understand that in the text there is context, but also there are words, and I believe those are literal too. And I love the literal translation style rather than any other style. So that's why I look at Lamentations a little differently, is understanding that this is poetry, and understand that there are five poems involved with it. That's why it's the Lamentations, because it is an accumulation of one person's writings, except for the portion we read. This was his, of course, but not part of the poetry part. It's a little more personal. And uh, I know that there are times where we look at Scripture and we read them, and 
Maybe perhaps we don't take them as personal as we should. Maybe we think, well, this was for Jeremiah, this was for David, this was for Ezekiel. Did you know that every word is for you also? And I really believe that if you grew up in a Christian home, you're going to be accountable to the Word of God someday. How you responded to it, how you were able to follow it, how you were guided by it, and God's going to be able to reward us. Looking forward to that day when we are rewarded for our works in the Lord's work. And so looking forward to that, it may come soon. But the knowledge that you have, because of the Scripture being taught to you, you are going to, and I am going to be responsible for it. And in this particular um, introduction, I kind of wanted to say to you that sometimes people say, don't take it personal. Have you ever had someone say that to you? Raise, raise your hand. Yeah. Well, I take things a little personal. But I especially take the Word of God personal. And when it comes to the Scriptures here, you can see that, uh, that the writer was taking all of this personal. Jeremiah was an incredible human being. And we will see him someday. He was God's servant. He was God's prophet. But if you were to go back to Jeremiah and see what was actually happening, we would see that he would take it very personal because he was one of the speakers of the day. And all of the things that he went through as he watched his country be destroyed. Is it relevant that we would read Jeremiah and Lamentations today? Absolutely. There's a lot of things that you can pull out of these particular books of the Bible that will help you. And if you're taking notes this morning, I would say that just be careful because I am going to be all over the place. And so if you're going to write down, write it fast. But I think it's important for us to look at certain parts of this scripture in a different light this morning. So why do we go through times like this? I think we go through times like this for many reasons. But as way of introduction, I want to read to you a section that's been written down concerning this portion of scripture. It says, while we do not have internal proof that Lamentations were written by Jeremiah, Jewish tradition... The parallel themes in Jeremiah and Lamentations and the eyewitnesses' character of the lament points of Jeremiah as like the likely author of these five poems that are written down in Jeremiah. Judah, of course, is its capital. Jerusalem um, is, is, of course, the capital in, 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 Judah, in Judah. And having a to- totally been destroyed at this particular time, And after two years' siege, the Babylonians have captured the city, torn down its walls, looted and destroyed God's temple, and taken the able-bodied citizens into exile in Babylon. Jeremiah is among the few survivors left in the land, living among those who had clung to life through the famine and watched starving children die as false prophets continue to mislead the people. You can imagine what was going through his mind. The book of Lamentations captures the desolation of the city and the despair of the people. At the same time, underscores the reason for this destruction. And here we see the poet at work in five tightly structured poems. He uses powerful images of carnage in the city as God allows the punishment of his people for their sinful ways. But in spite of the emotional depth of his grief, the artist captures the devastation in a controlled poetic form 
And this art in the service of emotional release, and while a discussion of the work doesn't often include the work of the artist, these poems force us to acknowledge the power of art that is encapsulated when somebody is able to picture in their mind and see the things that he saw. I had a lot of friends with me when I was in the Marines, and being over in Lebanon, I had one in particular, Eddie Johnson, and he would take pictures, and then he would write in a journal, and he would take note of what was going on in the city. Sometimes I had the opportunity of driving with the reconnaissance guys. I would drive them around, and I would go into parts of the city that looked really nice the day before, and I would come in the next day and have to drive around rubble, have to drive around things that had been devastated. I can't even imagine what they thought as they looked at their city as the Islamic people were throwing bombs at them to destroy. It was a beautiful place. The 1950s, 1960s, Beirut was beautiful. It was the place to go in the Middle East. It was always a place to go and have a a stay there and enjoy the dinners and enjoy the night. And I was able to stand upon rooftops, especially the American embassy before it was blown up. And I could see the city and how beautiful it was there along the black beach that actually lined up with the Mediterranean Sea. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. And if I could draw the picture for you of what it was like in the 1960s, you would say, wow, I'd like to go there. But if I could take you there in 1983, in April of 1983, and show you what it looked like, you'd say, that's a horrible place. I remember when I stopped alongside of the road one time and walked up through the rubble, I found some little small notebook that was written. It was a, a diary that was a, a man that was there, and he had a, had a um, barbershop, and uh, he had written it all in Arabic. They write from left to right. And so I took it with me, and I had it, and I had it for many, many years. All of my Beirut belongings were in a sea bag, and someone thought it was nice to steal them all. And so I don't know where they're at today, maybe a resale shop somewhere. I was living in an apartment when my first years of marriage, and they were all gone, all the artifacts that I had brought back with me. The only thing I have really left from Lebanon is a few shells that we took out of my tank, little bullets that were in the tires and stuff, and then I got a little bit of a, a, a 105 millimeter shell in my office that I need to polish up. And so all I have really is memories, but in my mind I can see what it looks like, and I go down to State Street today, and I see what's going on to our city. It ought to break our hearts. I see what's going on in Seattle. I see what's going on in Nashville last night. And I see what's going on with the burning down of Wendy's because of some other, some other officer now last night was, was, uh, was in, in, in trying to incarcerate a man. And it didn't, didn't work out so well. And so now Wendy's has to be burned down because of it. I see what's going on to this beautiful land and it hurts my heart. But I'll tell you what, God is faithful. We need to look to him today. You say, well, pastor, my family's falling apart. God is faithful. Be careful. Don't get your eyes on the bad. I had an opportunity this this week to talk to the sheriff's department. I was able to talk to the city city of police and talk to the the chief's office. And and I'd like to, to do some things. We'll talk about that in the business meeting. But as I was talking to people that are really close to the sheriff, and I was thinking about how that they are viewing things, and how they're talking and their, their voices weaken them because they, they really don't know what to do. They don't really don't know how to respond. And I think that if we think about that just for a moment, we see that that's a little bit of what Jeremiah was going through. A little bit of the emotion of all of this. I think it's important that we look at the text and understand a little bit more of 
how we can take it personal. I think if you look at verses 1 through 18, there are 60 pronouns here in this particular portion of Scripture. 60 of them. He, me, my. Look at verse number 1. I and the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of my wrath. Of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. I mean, just these small little verses, you read them and you can kind of enter into a little bit of the feelings of Jeremiah and the emotions that he had. It, it seemed like there was no life for him as they took some old rags and put it underneath his arms and lowered him down into a pit because all he was trying to do was preach the truth and prophesy truthfully. They lowered him into a pit where the sewage would flow and he was there for many days, and you think about God's man there. You think, well, things are going to get better, Jeremiah. Oh, they are? Are they? This is what he's experienced. Surely against me he has turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old, and he hath broken my bones, and he hath built it up against me, and compassed me with gall and travail. And he hath set me in dark places. It seems like doomsday. It's depressing to read this, to be honest with you. But it is reality, and it is him expressing how he felt. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out, and he hath made my chain heavy. And when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer, and he hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone, and he hath made my, way, my paths crooked, and he, hath, he, he was unto me as a bear lying in wait." And as a lion in the secret place, and he hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces, he hath made me desolate. He bent his bow, he set me as the mark, the target for the arrow. And he hath caused me the arrows to, of his quiver to enter into my reins. And I was a derision to all my people in their song all the day. We just go on and on. He filled me with bitterness. He's made me drunken with wormwood, and he hath also broken my teeth with graven stones. And he hath covered me with ashes, and thou hast removed my soul afar off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Isn't it amazing how we go through sometimes feelings like this? Maybe you've never gone to that place where you felt completely crushed. Until you do, you will never be used by God as much as you could be. And that's why it's important not to get weary when times get really tough. And don't get discouraged when you're in the, the bottom in the pit and thinking that it's not going to get any better because God may be just preparing you for a place to serve. Yeah. Whenever I find out about one man who takes a pulpit, I say he's a prepared man for a prepared place. I believe that God is in the preparation of you now. And he's preparing you for something. And every time you go through a difficult time, just remember that trial and that difficulty may be a test of God to see whether you have it, to be able to go through it so that you can be used by God in the future. I don't think today is the day for wimpy Christians. I don't think today is a day for if you get offended easily, goodbye. You're not going to last very long. 
Because this is a day for men of God to stand truthfully. And I don't think it's, I don't think we've even just scratched the surface of what's going to happen in the future. I don't mean to be scary to you, but if the Lord tarries, it's going to get a whole lot tougher. I'm hoping the trumpet will sound before the business meeting because I don't like business meetings. And I believe that we're so close to the second coming of Christ that sometimes I'm looking up. I, I remember what I have to do, and I go from one thing to the next, and from one thing to the next, and the meetings, and, the, and, and, and I've got yard work, and I've got things to do at the house, and, and I own a log home, so there's maintenance there, but I go from one thing to the next, and my wife is the same way, and when we lay down at night, we're just so tired. Then abundant it all with all the difficult things that are going on in our world. Doesn't that make you weary? Makes you tired. Appreciate those that don't watch the news. Because they always have a good attitude. I can always tell a person with a bad attitude they've been watching news. I'm serious. You find somebody who's negative all the time, they got a, they got a problem with this. They're looking at the news. I think it's important for us to just go on. It's personal. During difficult times. It's painful. I read those verses to you, and you're reading it, you think, wow. I mean, and sometimes we're reading about David's dirge and all the difficulties he went through, and it almost can be related to Christ on the cross and the sufferings and the crucifixion. And, and if these men went through difficult times, just a little bit like what Jesus went through, God was using these men in the future. And he wants to use you. But you've got to get up, Christian. You can't stay down. You can't stay down like, you know, anybody can stay down. I've always said anybody cannot do anything. It takes somebody to do something and get up even when times are difficult. I think it's important for us to understand that it's painful. But to simplify it, it's also purposeful. And so it's, it's personal, it's painful, but it's also purposeful. What is God doing? When I was in college, I was the older guy in it, you know, and it seemed like I'm now with students again. We have 28 in our class online, and I'm the, young, I'm the oldest guy there. So I, I make comments like, I'm the old guy critiquing you, because we have to critique. I have to do it tonight after the service. Uh, use citations and so on. I, I love this, though, because we're learning how to study the Scriptures better. What else is there to do in life? But sometimes when we see that there's a need for better interpretation of the scriptures, I see the pulpits today. They've gotten away from what is really necessary. Nobody wants to preach on sin anymore. That's a whole other message. I think it's important to know that there was something that Jeremiah did in verse number 19. What is it, folks? Remembering. Remember. 19, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and has humbled me. That word humbled is bowed down. It's the difficult things has caused me to just be so low. And when that happens to us, God is there to meet our needs at that time. 
What would it take to make you bow? By the way, I don't bow for anything. But Christ. I certainly don't bow for half-truths. I bow for truth. And what is a half truth? If you can trick enough people with lies, half truths, and long enough, they'll believe the real lie. And you know where the lie will take them? That's right. Preparing for the Antichrist. That's why it's important for us to absorb our hearts and our minds in the truth, memorize Scripture. And recite it during the day. Look at verse 22. He says in verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercy. Do you think I skipped a verse, folks? Mm -hmm. You think that's an important verse? Mm -hmm. Can someone read it for me? You at home, why don't you read it for me? I can hear you all the way. Go ahead. (laughs) Someone just stand up and read that verse for me. Nice and loud. Correct. This have I called to my mind. Therefore, have I hope. So everything following is what he's called to his mind. And this is what brought him hope. So listen to what it says in verse number 22. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Isn't that beautiful? There are songs written about this. There There are poems written about this. What a, what a beautiful portion of Scripture. They are new every morning, and great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, and therefore will I hope in him. That's the first thing, if you're taking notes. In order to get out of this dirge, you've got to put your hope in him. Don't put your hope in the White House. What if the White House fails? What if your body fails? There is a building... In heaven, correct, when this body fails, there's a building that's made not with hands in the heavens that we are going to if we are born again. But he says here, this, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeks him, look at 26. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait. Boy, those are some good thoughts, huh? That we are supposed to hope in him and quietly wait? Are there people waiting today for the Lord? Absolutely. But are we quietly waiting for him? Are we peaceably waiting for him? We ought to be. He's coming soon. Look what it says. The text says what it says. Verse number 27 is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. But it's talking also in verse number 26 that they'll wait for the salvation of the Lord. He sits alone and keeps silence because he hath borne it upon him. Look at He puts in his mouth the dust, and if so be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smites him, and he filled full, was filled full of reports. Who does this sound like? Jesus Christ. That's our example. Look at verse number 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever. 
But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men to crush or to oppress under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. To turn aside the right of man before the face of the Most High. And to subserve or to overthrow a man in his cause. The Lord approves not. He looks down from heaven, he sees what's going on in America today. That grieves God. That grieves God when we act like we're acting. But I just want to turn your focus on to his faithfulness for just a few minutes in closing. It's important for us to remember that great is thy faithfulness, that he is faithful. I think it was important early on that Jesus would... Uh, the, the God of heaven would give the people, of the children of Israel, words that they could actually write down. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 9. It says, Know therefore the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and his mercy with them that love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. I love the way it says that he is the God the faithful God, is actually saying that he is faithful. He is faithful. I I, I used to like listening to testimonies from one of the South Korean fellows that got saved up at the the university. He was having a difficult time, and one of his professors was going to church here at the time, Yoon Soon Ko, and he walked in there and, and said, I was going through a hard time, and pretty soon they began to talk, and right there in his office, Yoon Soon Ko led him to Christ. He got on his knees and trusted Christ as his Savior. But when he came here and gave his testimony, it was so beautiful. He kept saying the God. I was speaking to the God. <laughs> the God that is faithful. Our God is faithful. And we praise God for that because he helps us to understand that when we go through times that that people are not faithful, faithful to us, God is faithful to us. That he is faithful. God is faithful. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13, that there is no temptation taken unto you such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What the Bible's saying here that when you have hard times come and you have difficult things going on within your life, maybe there's perplexity in your health, maybe it's financial problems, maybe it's difficulties where you think you don't have what it takes to accomplish what you're trying to do. Maybe you're in that particular situation and then all of a sudden you're smacked with the COVID-19 crisis. And then you're smacked with what's going on in the White House. And you're smacked with what's going on in the streets of America. Let me tell you something. When that comes, God is going to be faithful to help you make right choices. He's going to help, this, he's going to help you get through that difficult time. That's what God does. He is faithful, friend. He is faithful. I don't think anybody can go back and say, well, I gave into temptation, I gave into this trial and all, you know, but it was this and it was that, and it was my parents, it was that, and saying, hogwash, it was you giving into it. Because the God of heaven will give you the strength to get through anything if you call upon him. He is faithful, and he will continue to be faithful, even when you think he's not. Our God is faithful. He is wonderful. I love that song. Great is thy faithfulness. Because it shows the magnitude of it. 
Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art even mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, thou ordained him with glory and honor. Thou hast placed all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the pass of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He is faithful. Nature shows us he's faithful. Amen. I was coming to church this morning, and did you see the corn, folks? They're not affected by COVID-19. Those stalks are stretching out, man. And you know what? If it doesn't rain, they start to go, give me rain. Have you ever seen that before in the corn? Now, if you listen closely, they say it. They get all dried up, but then their arms go up toward heavenward, and they almost seem like they're saying, oh, God, I need rain. And don't you think that's the way we are today in our country? Don't put your head in the sand, dear friend. We're living in difficult days, but God is faithful. And he will be faithful to get you through this. He will not let you down. Nature shows us that he is faithful. What a beautiful thing to see every night the sun going down. I get to, I get to watch it and out in the country. And I get to see it going down over the trees. And pretty soon the, the rays of light go through those trees. And by the way, it's, it's kind of a foreign thing to see the sun consistently out. Amen? Up here in Wisconsin. But it's okay. It's good. And then last night I could see as through the trees I had to get up from what I was doing. And I walked out and took some pictures of the, my, my son's garden and took some pictures from across the, across the way. And I thought, got to got, got, capture this, you know. Write it down because it's, it's wonderful. And every night God is faithful to lay that sun down and bring up the moon. And then to allow the plants to come like they're coming. Wow, our garden's doing pretty good too. How's your garden doing? I can't believe our fruit trees this year. I just look at them and think, wow, this is the year for fruit trees. Not affected by the riots. Not yet anyway. It's amazing. Because God is naturally faithful. And he's faithful enough for you to trust him. In times like this. The Bible goes on to say... But the Lord is faithful. Second Thessalonians 3.3 3. Who shall establish you and keep you from evil? That word keep means to guard. That he is, he is faithful to keep you. He is faithful to preserve you. And he will. I remember years ago I, I had an opportunity to go down in my great grandma's cellar. I'll think about that. Back in those days, they had outhouses. And I'm not that old, but this is where she lived. It had two seats in it. You know, I don't want to explain it. But she also had a cellar. You had to get to it from the outside. You couldn't get to it from the inside. How many could get to your basement from your inside of your house? Yeah. Some of you take an elevator in your apartment. You go right down and get your... And there you are in the basement. with serious. Get in your car and you, you know. We had two wooden things that you would actually open up and get down into that basement. 
walked down those steps, and it was cold. And she's saying, now, Dean, you go down in there, and on the third shelf, you'll find some peaches. There's no light, but you'll find them. You know, you go down in there, and it's all cold and wet and slimy, and everything's full of cobwebs. And you look over at one shelf, and you think, man, those don't look like peaches. I don't know what in the world that is. Go over there and finally found some and brought them upstairs. Just a filthy, dark glass jar. And she washes it all off. And man, it looked pretty nice. She opened the thing up. She had to take a, she took a knife and she'd hit the side of it. You gonna break that, Grandma? Open it up. There comes the peaches. Man, were they good. Because they were preserved. That's what God does for you. During this difficult time when you don't know what to do, he's preserving you. You ought to praise him. Everybody in this room ought to be thanking God today and saying, praise God, he's preserving me. He's keeping me. Say, well, I messed up. Yeah, David messed up and God preserved him. Paul messed up, but God preserved him. Peter messed up, God messed up, but God preserved him, and God will preserve you, dear friend. Don't lose faith in him. God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. Amen? He's faithful. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 19, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Can you finish it? Yeah. Is there a lot of unrighteousness today? A lot of it. Yeah. And so are our souls if we're not careful. Because even the slightest sin, the slightest little resentment that you bark back at somebody or you feel hatred toward them or you go ahead and gossip against them, or maybe it is that you talk bad of them. Do you think that's sin? That's just as filthy as anything else, dear friend. It's just that you're being a hypocrite about it. Got kind of quiet in here. I'm not trying to hurt you today. I'm trying to help you. That when that comes, you can actually confess that to God. Say, dear Lord, I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Are you dried up like those corn stalks without water, without any kind of nourishment? You can raise your hands toward God and say, Lord, forgive me. Would you wash me and cleanse me of my sin? If you confess it, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God is faithful in the natural world, but he's also faithful in the supernatural world. The things that you can't see, God always provides. He'll always provide for you, dear friend. And sometimes it's at the last minute, right? When I think about his, his faithfulness, I... I, I, I have to think about Abraham just for a moment and all the difficulties that he went through. I mean, all he had was a tent. He, he, he was kind of sold out, you know, from the land of Chaldees and then moving across and heading out and God's going to bless him someday and he's getting old and his wife's getting old and he's thinking, when is this all going to happen? It's not going to happen. It's, we're just too old. And God blessed him. And boy, did God bless him. What about Isaac? Isaac was on the altar. Abraham grabbed the knife, right? That would have been terrible. And the angel stopped his hand and said, there's the provision over there in the woods. Over there in the thicket is a ram. 
You know what he was referring to? Jesus Christ of Nazareth was going to come and he was going to lay his life down for sin. Abraham didn't have to give his own son. But Abraham felt it, but he said the rest of his life, my God is faithful. My God is faithful. We look back on it now. We say, wow, God was so faithful in the scriptures. I think about when we think about Moses, when we think about Joshua. Joshua was thinking, you know, this is quite an quite a experience. We've got to actually go over there and we've got to march around this, these walls seven times. Now, the seventh day, we have to march around seven times and then we have to yell out. And then the walls came down. The rest of his life, I'm sure he said, my God is faithful. My God is faithful. I think about how David was crushed and going through difficult times. But he would say, my God is faithful. Oh, you, you read his Psalms, man. They open up like, they're, oh, this is difficult. Oh, wow, this is getting kind of bad. Oh, then all of a sudden, but my Lord gave me a song in my heart because he is faithful and he will do that for you. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Huh? Talk about not bowing. Going into that pit of fire, they came out. How much of the rest of their lives they said, I got the faithful God and they don't. Dear Muslim friend, you're trusting the wrong God. Allah is not true. Jehovah is. Jehovah sent his son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, and gave us the only way to heaven. Don't believe the lie. Trust Jesus Christ. When I think about the faithfulness of God, I think about the woman that comes to Jesus in Luke chapter 7. She begins to weep. Say, well, women get emotional. Yeah, they do. And so do men. I was hoping my wife wouldn't hear me this morning as I sobbed in bed. I sensed the presence of God so much this morning, early, early in the morning that I wept. Oh, thank you for being my God. Thank you for being so faithful. And I was quoting scripture back to him and I was thinking, oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't sleep much last night because I kept thinking about this how good he is and how faithful he is and how I want to communicate it to you, dear friend, that all the things in this world are so temporal, but there is one thing that is faithful, and that's this word right here. It is true, and it is faithful, and it can help you through any difficult times because the God of heaven gave it to us. And we can trust it. Say, well, I'm trusting a system. A system may take you in the wrong direction. Trust the word of God. As I think of... How faithful he is in his love. Does he love you today? He loves you so much. He is faithful. He is faithful in salvation. To anyone can come to him. And anyone can be saved. Anyone. It's not just for a select few. It's not just for 144,000. It's for as many who come to him and say, I can't save myself. And I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You can come to him and be saved. He is faithful in saving you.
And he is faithful in sustaining you. And he is faithful in strengthening you. And someday when you see him face to face, with all the stuff and pressures of this world are over, it'll be a hallelujah time, right? As you think of Hallelujah Square, when I was in the Marine Corps, I led a fellow to Christ named Larry Sabinski. And he drew a picture one day, and it was, come on, brought it to me. And I said, what is that all about, Larry? And he said, this is what heaven looks like. He said, I think this is what heaven looks like. Here's where God is. He draws a throne, and he had it all. And he said, Dean, he said, I think this is your house right here. And, and I'm hoping that my house is right across the street. I said, Larry, I don't even want to see any Marines up there. I was thinking about Lee Blanchard. Maybe he's listening today. He stopped talking now, and he stopped walking pretty much now. But I remember Lee came in last fall, and he came to my office, and he said some things I couldn't quite understand him. He kept wiping his mouth, and finally he wrote it down, and he said, he said what, is, what is heaven going to be like? I said, I don't know exactly, but I know that there are many mansions or many rooms, that particular word means. And I had to explain it to him a little bit, and he was saying, I'll bet you it's beautiful. And then he wrote down, he wrote down, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll have the kind of love that God has for me, I'll have that kind of love. He will, yeah. He realized how lacking in his love he is. But I don't think there's anybody any more loving than Lee Blanchard is. He loves everybody. See, dear friend, people are, fa- are not faithful. They're not. Men are leaving their wives. Wives are leaving their husbands. People will fail you. People will turn on you. But God never will. And your darkest, difficult days He is faithful, and great is his faithfulness. Don't ever forget it. Jeremiah came to mind now how good God is. What a change in the atmosphere happens when we give everything to him. How are you doing today? Are you trusting him? Have you taken time and received him as Lord and Savior? I hope you have. I'm not talking about receive the Baptist doctrines or the Lutheran doctrines or Presbyterian doctrines. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about have you received Jesus, precious Jesus, into your heart, into your life? I could talk till business meeting. I could talk to you till, till, till evening, but I got to shut up. But God won't. He will speak to you and tell you, I'm faithful for you. I'm there with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will establish you. I will keep you until that day. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I have not been faithful. I have not. Boy, that takes a lot to admit, doesn't it? Because we live in the day of FaceTime. We live in the day of save my face. But maybe you've not been faithful like you, sh- like you should have been. Talk to God about that. And if you need to come and take care of that this morning, then come. 
But maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I still have not come to that place where I know I'm saved. I'm not sure that I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I don't think I've done that. But I see the need now. And maybe that's you. No one looking around. You say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Just lift up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You at home, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, trust Him today. He's been waiting for you. He's waited before, and He'll wait again. Because He's faithful. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian, but you're not where you should be. I'm not talking about constantly serving because we can't do much around here. I'm talking about your heart. Do you love him? Well, of course I do. He knows you. Maybe this morning you just would come to an old-fashioned altar and say, here I am, Lord. I need, a, I need some fresh oil. Give you my heart, wash it, clean it, purify it, fill it with your spirit. Come. That's what the invitation's for. Maybe it's for church membership, maybe it's for baptism, whatever the need is, you come this morning. Would you all stand, if you could, stand all over the building, if you would. Let's have a word of prayer, and as soon as I'm done, the piano will begin. Father, I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would guide in the invitation, in Jesus' name, amen. Just for a moment, a few announcements. Number one is at 5 o'clock tonight, I'm going to teach you, anybody willing to come, some people have been asking for this class, I'm not just putting it out there, uh, I'll be here at 5 o'clock to show you how you can take someone from the scriptures and show them how they can be saved. If you want to be part of that class, we'll be here tonight at 5 o'clock. I wanted to mention that at 6 o'clock tonight, I'm going to deal with a passage of scripture that's needed today for us not to have itchy ears, but to stay with sound doctrine. We'll talk about that tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to have a business meeting at this time. I want to shut the, the, the computer off now, and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you to stay if you, if you can. If, if you have to get going, I understand, but we're going to have a quorum count in just a moment. But if you're visiting with us and you're not a member, you can see what's going on in the business. And by the way, if you do stay, it'll make us...